But scientists let them be because it's not their field. They're talking about philosophy. You want to talk about philosophy? Go talk to philosophers. Don't talk in, religion, in science. This is not our field and this is not what we study. You can't look at something that's happening in the natural world and say, therefore, there is God. Or therefore, this is the ethical way of living. Or therefore, nothing happens after we die. What tools do you have to tell me what happens after you die? This is the hidden. This is where religion has to come in, and we have to use different tools for religion. They're not the tools I apply in a lab. They're the tools that I get from very strong logical reasoning, which is usually called philosophy. Those are the tools I have to apply to religion to see if I can reach a conclusion or not. And that's why we said at the beginning, there's two claims about studying religion. One claim is, there's too much info we're not sure, because and that's laziness, one. The other argument is, religious questions can never be solved 100%. And that's not true. It just depends on the tools you use to try to solve them. If you apply the wrong tools, of course you won't be able to reach a conclusion. Religion has its own tools. It's a field of knowledge. You can't go study 10 years of economics, let's say, and you understand all the laws and principles of economy, and then you say, now I'm going to come to psychology and apply them to the human soul. It doesn't work like that. There are tools that you use in psychology that are very different from the tools you would use in economics, that are very different from the tools you use in sociology or biology or engineering. The, all the principles and rules and uh, laws of economics or economic theory will not help me decide whether this is the right type of concrete to build a bridge. Right? I need other tools to analyze this type of concrete that economics or psychology will never help me with. And this is what sometimes the problem is nowadays. People are confounding, mixing up, confusing all these different fields. And you think that because we know one thing in one field, we can apply it or generalize it to another field. No, go to a specialist in that field and ask them, can we apply this truth here? Or is that truth limited to that world? So that's one, one part of, of the answer. It's a lot deeper than that, but I think that's, that's a good beginning. Okay. Yes. Based on to the theory of what he was saying, so like, basically this person that came in and spoke to science, so the people in the plane know that, like, like basically if I was sitting down in the plane, uh, I would think, who is this person? And uh, what qualifies them to know that this plane is ready to move now? Right? So... Um, do the people on the plane know that science is not equipped to answer that the plane is ready to move? Or are the people on the plane, they know that, oh, this is just a hoax. This guy, he just said the, the plane is ready to move, but obviously the engine is still not working. So I guess it's like all the perspective of how you look at the, the, the theory. Maybe just to add to, yes, thank you very much, but I wanted to add one thing. There's a reason why in the example, I said the pilot did not make the call. The pilot didn't say, we may have a problem or stopping the plane. It's not real life, it's just an example. But there's a reason why in the example I said, the pilot says, let's vote in the plane. 
And the reason I said that is because I want to show that if you put, maybe there's one person who's going to be stubborn, and maybe there's one person who doesn't want to be logical, and may, but the majority of the minds of human beings put together, if they are mature and they're well-functioning, they will, they will reach a consensus. The majority will vote for something. And that's what shows you the nature of humanity. Not one person here and one exception there. Everybody in the plane, if there are 300 people, the grand majority of them, the crushing majority, will say, stop the plane. Because human beings don't want to risk their lives for a mechanical error. Even if it means we have to sit here for three days and not move, we're going to sit here and not move until you tell us we can move without risking our lives. Because the risk is too high. But there might be someone, two, three, ten people, but it's not the majority. It's a very small minority. That's why we're trying to say, when you apply that logic to humanity, when you look at the history of humanity, when you look at all of societies today, all of the societies on earth today, you see that there are things that are universal, they are generalizable. They may disagree on the instances, but everybody has notions of the sacred and the holy, Everybody has belief systems and action systems that come out of them. Everybody believes in the good, but they don't believe this is the good and this is not the good. They disagree on that, but they believe in the good. They believe in the beautiful. They believe in the perfect. They disagree on which one is it. But the instinct, the natural instinct of human beings is to move towards the same things. No, to to lean towards, to desire those universal instincts so the good for instance no two human beings will disagree that you want you want the good okay they'll disagree on what the good is they might disagree on what it is and that's where your reason has to come in that's where the tool is different science cannot come and tell you and this is the good it can give you some data to work with but you need something else to tell you and that is the good and that is not the good yeah. But uh, I think you said like something. You, you said that many people think that you can't achieve uh, like concrete evidence that like, religion is the, the way to go, and you said that it's true. But I, I somewhat disagree because if if it, if it was one hundred percent that we had concrete evidence that you know God is is out there and, and all these all these other factors, then otherwise the people would all be in religion. You know, we wouldn't have just minorities in religion and the majority in, without religion. And even science has these same problems. We can't fully achieve this, like the like the hundred percent concrete evidence that say the Big Bang theory exists because that's just a theory. So I think both sides have their have their like their powers and uh, sorry like their strengths and weaknesses. So like with religion, we can't fully fully prove that God is there with all the evidence we have. And same thing with science, we can't prove that there is no God and that we all came from a little bottle of energy. So, like, that's, I think, where people, you know, like, the, the discrepancy is there. So some people choose with this side, and some people choose with that side, you know? What if the answers are there, but people are lazy to look for them? If the answers are there, wouldn't you already find them? Haven't you already been through all the books that have been written? Yeah, every, there are scholars that have been through the book. Yeah. So, for example, as, as a person, like as, for example, if I was someone with no religion or anything, um, I wouldn't lean towards wanting to go 
explore curiosity, I would lean towards whatever's happening in the social media. I follow that. So for example, if the majority of social media is just, you know, everything that is posted about no religion, then I'm going to be brainwashed with this idea of no God, no religion. If music is all about no religion, if everything is about no God, then that just becomes like a brainwash in my head that I just follow that path. So a lot of people I find that uh, they don't really go to look for the answers, but they just follow of what's popular out there. Everyone wants to fit in. You want to fit in with the rest of society. It's why you wear a specific brand, for example. It's why people shop specific clothes. It's why you like a specific pop star or a soccer player or whatever. Um, you want to fit in with the rest of society, and that way it doesn't really matter to, to you, for example, what the absolute truth is, but what everyone thinks of you, even if you don't believe it in yourself. I, 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 I'm a true believer that everyone, like every human being, is um, seeking attention whether they know it or not. We all want everyone to show us attention or we want to fit in with everyone so that we, are, we accept ourselves in society. That's how I see it. Okay. Um, so the way you frame the question, basically, it's like science and religion are, there's a space, let's say this is a turf, this is reality, and science and religion are fighting over this. And one of them is right and one of them is wrong. What I'm, I'm trying to say is, actually, they can't look at the same thing. Uh, this is what science looks at, and this is what religion looks at. And they have nothing to do with each other. Religion does not have the tools to explore natural science, and natural science does not have the tools to explore religion. So if one of them is doing that, we used to have scholars, we used to have philosophers and religious scholars in Islam who followed blindly old philosophy that had to do with natural science, and they would say it is impossible to take a piece of the moon and bring it back. Because the moon is one of the ten intellects, as they used to call them in the ancient world. These were religious scholars. And the history of Christianity is full of this. And that's the, one of the reasons why people are so ingrained with the idea that religion and science collide. is because for a very long time, religious scholars were talking about science when they're not allowed to. They shouldn't. They're not equipped. Unless they are natural scientists, they should keep their mouth shut about natural science. They're not competent to talk about natural science unless they've studied it. And the other way around. Natural scientists are not allowed to talk about religion. Their religion is theirs, but they're not qualified. They haven't studied, as you say, books have been studied. No, you have to go to the expert who studied those books. The scientist has not studied those books. The scientist usually has a very superficial understanding of religion unless they've studied it. And the opposite. If you go to a religious scholar, they have a very superficial understanding of natural science unless they've studied it. And some people have, and they are expert in both. Okay, so they're allowed to have an opinion in both. The others are not. So that's the first thing. Science and religion are not competing on the same turf. 
they are looking at two completely different realities, two dimensions that are, they don't even speak to each other. And whoever says they are, they're confusing between the tools and the perception and the perspective of science and the one of religion. These don't go together. Okay, that's one. And two, more of an argument, so kind of playing the devil's advocate with you. So you said there are a lot of things, just like those things we found out and then everybody believes in them. We should have reached some sort of conclusion similar to those in religion. So can you give me examples of things that, you know, everybody has agreed on? And one example. Any world. Okay, we've all agreed on that um, light that travels on, like, through different objects different, at different speeds. Mm-hmm. We've all agreed through that because we know that through science and, you know, by studying in school or in the education system. We've mm-hmm. agreed on that. Okay, so the way people have agreed on light, let's use light as the, as the example. There is actually no agreement on light right now. There is one theory that is a theory of photons in light. It's a theory. Tomorrow it may change. It's the best theory we have today. Between the biggest physicists of the time, there was a huge problem on what is exactly the nature of light. But the definition or the the interpretation that withstood the most lab tests and the most experiments is at the end of the day the one that we adopt. We have no clue if it matches reality. But it's the one that gives us the most predictable applications today. Just like for thousands, let's say over a thousand some years, at the time of Aristotle, let's say, he used to believe that gravity is something that pushes objects from the top towards centers, because the center of everything is the natural space for things to be. See, it's philosophy and natural science mixed. It's all wrong. But in the philosophical and the natural science model of Aristotle, gravity is being pushed from the top. People who lived in those, let's say, 10 centuries, did they think that they were wrong? They were sure they were right. They did calculations. They lived their whole lives based on the idea that things are falling to the ground because they're being pushed from up. We don't know today what false ideas we have that we're taking for granted because we call them science just like they did. We're living in it now. In five centuries, they'll laugh about us and at us for what we believe in today, for sure. No question about everything we believe. It's all wrong. Because it's not about right and wrong in science. And this, this is the part that I think requires a bit of analysis in the philosophy of science. How is science built? Science is not about truth. Science doesn't claim truth. Science builds a model that explains the most. If that model doesn't work, I will not throw it out until you give me a better model. So there was a model for, and all of the science has to connect. So the model has to be pretty damn good before I let go of my model. And that's why there's so much reluctance to change anything in science. Science refuses change. You get the idea that scientists are open to it. No, science refuses change until something a lot better comes along. So even when they find out a truth, 
even when someone finds a problem with a theory, they can't just scrap it because too much stuff just crumbles if that theory is gone. So it's very incremental and it takes like 500 years or 200 years of scholars adding and adding more and adding more evidence. Okay, we know there's a problem here. Here's a, yeah, but it doesn't fix all these. We can't take it. Bring something else. That's how science works. And those little pieces, it's like bricks that you bring and it builds this gigantic edifice that we call science. We keep building on it. The, the theory we currently have about light, let's say, it's built on one side of electromagnetism. Well, that has its own principles in electricity and magnetism. And tomorrow, all those principles could be reviewed, revised by someone else. That's why we say, I disagree that there are these truths today. Because even those are open to discussion, let's say. I'm not going to say they're false. It's not about false. I don't want to use that language. It's more, this is the best explanation we have today. And tomorrow it may change. This is the same thing that we have in the religious world. It's all a matter of, are you willing to put in the time that you have put in studying science to study religion? If you haven't, then sorry, you're not allowed to have an opinion. You haven't studied it. It requires studying with its own tools. Go learn the basics. Go study the books. If you spent, I don't know, you give yourself 10 days, one hour a day to study Judaism and Christianity and Islam, you start understanding, okay, there are these religions. Are there things that are common to them? Okay, that's different. Maybe there's a reason why it's all common from one to another. What, what are the reasons? So maybe there's a difference between man-made religions and divine religions. Right? And this is how you start. You can't just jump in and say, it's religion. What's religion? Which one is it that you're talking about? You can't just lump all of this together and say, religion is all man-made. Now we have science. Who needs religion? Very, really nice that you said, you know, religion has its ground and the science has different ground. And uh, I think many of them, they said, you know, we are, you know, we are going to school and uh, study and do exams and sporting, but we do something change and we looking for the future and see something better and better. But with religion, what we are going to do, especially when we are coming from countries that are suffering because they are religious, while these people are not religious and should see how. So I think most of them said this kind of things, you know. So. I hope your explanation is very nice and very good for them, and I hope they are uh, good. And so maybe one more thing I wanted to add, because, and this I was hoping to do in depth later down the road, again. Just like there are people who are working 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, for 50, 60, 7 years are every aspect of science, to try to make a little contribution. Science is always open to, we're exploring and innovating and researching, right? To push the truth forward, right? Religion is the same way. Religion, God is not revealing religion into anyone's heart today. No one has the ultimate truth. Religion needs scholars the same way science needs scholars. People who spend the same amount of time, if not more, doing the same thing. We need people to research religion. There are areas in religion that haven't been researched that much. There's always more to find out. It's an area of study, academic area of study, just like any other field. 
This is a very important thing because people have the impression that science, religion is a done deal. God has revealed it. It's this fixed thing. It's permanent. It doesn't change. This is the revealed truth. You take it as is. There is no gray. It's black and white, well-known, done deal. You take it as is, the whole package together, and you apply it. That's not how religion is. Religion is the same thing as what we called science. Just like we said today, there are parts that are constructions. There is interpretation. There is exploration and innovation. You need people who research and come and question things, just like you're doing right now. And you say, okay, so what's the relationship between religion and science? We need thinkers in Islam who do this, who spend time studying both and say, are they supposed to be the same or are they supposed to be different? The same thing. So in our scholars, some go in that route. So the idea that you know religion is a done package, it's already done, there's nothing further to explore and to find out about it, that's completely wrong. Religion is as open a turf as science is today, if not more. And there's probably a lot more at stake in religion. And there's more importance in doing that work in religion because a lot of people, just like we said, they might be brainwashed. Because in a lot of our countries, when we go back, people believe because that's the general environment. They don't believe because they've researched. We actually have an advantage here because when you're in a minority situation, you have to question yourself a lot more. And you have to prepare answers a lot more. If you're over there, no one's questioning your religion. Why are you Muslim? Everybody's Muslim. You better be Muslim. Right? Because that's the majority. You do like everybody else. You're born in this family. This is how we eat. This is how we dress. This is what we believe. This is how we worship. You know, what's the merit of that? And then you come here and, oh, you're going against the current on everything. So you better know what you're doing. You can't do it just because my parents said so. Because I read it in a book somewhere. You have to believe it. You have to know what you're doing. Why do you dress this way? Why do you eat this way? Why do you drink this and not this? Why do you sit this way? Why do you go in this field of study? Why You have to be aware of all of that. Because this is the, the deeper outlook on our religion is that. It's your whole life. And everything has its place. You have a professional life. You have your religious life. You have your personal life. All of that is there. It has a place. But it needs work. No assumptions. Just like in science, no assumptions. Go study it. Learn the basics, apply them, and say this is science. Religion is the same way. Thank you so much. I uh, actually did something. We discovered every day, you know, we listen from here, from YouTube, from Siberia, and we listen and see scholars say something new we didn't know before. But this is the first time, I admit, that I, I listened to somebody and he said that Religion looks like science. Science every day there is improvement, and also in religion we didn't reach, you know, the ultimate. And every day we need uh, scholars to dig ahead and, and see the new things. Uh, really, I admit I am 50, 51 years old. This first time I, I think, and you are very lucky. I swear, I swear, you are very lucky. You are sitting here and listening to this. I swear. I told my kids in the car when I came here. I wish, I wish with their own, I have this. We were just in uh, Islamic society, so nobody teaches. us. It just depend on we are sitting in Muharram and uh, other, you know, occasions, and we listen to people talk, uh, but we didn't have this uh, chance. And I swear we are not to have 
this kind of uh, say it to teach you and uh, to let you learn. We live in a world where we're we're exposed to a lot of information now. Yeah. And that's why I, I want to emphasize that point that we said. A lot of it has to do with laziness. I think the idea that we can just form an opinion about something without really studying it, we have to stop that. Especially us. Especially us, we know we're going to be asked about our religion. Whether it's going to be at school or at work or you have to know why you believe what you believe. And don't be shy to ask questions. And if you ask it to someone and they don't give you a convincing answer, go to the next person. Read up on it. Look up on YouTube. Go to people that you can, you think you, in your, in your, let's say, gut feeling, you can trust, you feel that you can trust the way they think and the way they talk and the information they have. That's what you need right now. You're going to be in a society and the, every day you're, you're going to be exposed to more and more questions and it's just natural that those questions are going to have an impact on the way you think unless you're equipped. I spend, personally, I spend a lot more time reading and studying books that are non-Islamic than ones. I wish I had time to study Islamic books as much, but I feel that I have to know what's going on and what's being said against Islam more than what's in our books to be able to live in these societies properly. And I think this, for all of us, that's what we have to do. We have to know where the, I'm going to call them the attacks are coming from, where the intellectual questioning is coming from. And some of it is very cheap. It's not even worth looking at. But a lot of it is actually pretty solid. If you don't have a background, it will shake you up. You will not be able to deal with it. So you have to go and equip yourself. You have to go and see which, some questions, like the one you just said, which is, if people are religious in our countries, then how come do they live in that suffering and poverty and issues and social problems and here people a lot of people are not religious and they seem to be living much more comfortable lives that's a real question we need a real answer to this so and this deserves a lecture so we'll talk about that as a lecture we're going to take another hour just to talk about that one so there are questions we need to sit and think about them is this a real question or is there an issue in the question we have to look at the words and the definitions of those words. What does it mean to be religious? What does it mean to be non-religious? What, what does it mean to talk about a society that is developed and evolved versus one that, is, that isn't? And then we'll be able to gauge where is the problem. Anyways. So how do you equip yourself with the right information? Because there's a lot of information out there. So how do you pick and choose? How do you filter it all out? Like, for now, I will simply say start somewhere. Anywhere. Anywhere that you think is at least giving you a chance to, to getting that right information. Because we're really at the beginning. There is no point in digging very deep and saying, go to this specialized source of... You need to get all the basics first. You have to know what the Qur'an is. You have to know who your prophet is. You have to know a little bit of the history of Islam. You have to know what your, the system of Islam and ethics, what does it say? But if you don't get those basics, there's no point in going into very detailed topics right now. Right? Because it's a system. You can't just zoom in on one piece and you have no clue about everything else. But well, what if it's different for certain people? Like, say, certain people look at it this way, and some the other, another group of people look at it a different way. So how do you, how do you gauge that? Like, how do you know? So give me examples. So for instance, yeah. 
So, for instance, I was at the, I went to Friday prayer at a cinema the other day, and they had the, the, their talk and things, and they were talking about Uthman, and how he was a great, uh, great guy. He, I don't know, they were really praising him, they were really going, they, you know, saying good things about him. So then I got home, I asked my dad, <laughs> I told him, you know, he told me, what, he asked me what they, what they talk about. I told him, oh, they're telling me how Uthman, and I told him a little bit more about it. And so, you know, he, he kind of told me, oh, see, it's different. That we, we believe something else and this and this and that. So, how do you... Yeah, that's very easy. You, you want to... Either you rely on other people, like you're doing right now. Yeah. So, basically, you're taking the mosque's word against your father's word. Well, or you become an expert yourself. Yeah. And that's what I said last week. Which is, you want the real answer? The real answer is you sit and you read 200 books on history, and then you'll know who Uthman was. That's the real answer. But until you get there, that's why I say start somewhere and ask questions. And try to go with your gut feeling of, who do you think is giving you the right information? But you see, when you ask about someone who actually existed in history, it's a very easy answer. You just go back, it's not a matter of belief. Where it's your opinion against mine. It's not a matter of opinion. When you study someone's life, I don't think 10 people would disagree on who, whether Hitler was good or bad. It's history. You know what he did in history, and we agree on that. And then at the end, you can assess. Now someone will come and interpret this event, and yeah, but at the end, you know, well, that's, that's the interpretation part. But what actually happened in history is history. So you need historical perspective. You need historical expertise. You need historical information. And inshallah, we will go very deep into this. Once we finish a few lectures about beliefs, because I think we need to establish just a little bit of a basis on this, and based on the questions I'm hearing, I'm, I'm trying to concentrate the next lecture on certain fields and certain questions. And after that, we'll inshallah go into the, the beginning of Islam, the life of the Holy Prophet, the life of... The, the whole time during Imam Ali's life with Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and going down all the Imams. We'll spend a few lectures on each one of them so that we understand how Islam unfolded the way it did and why we are here today. That's, that's all very important. But maybe we have to establish that this whole system we call Islam first. What is it that we believe in? And as you see, like we haven't even reached that yet. We're saying, why is it worth looking into religion? We're not even at Islam yet, and we even haven't said that religion is good to look into. We're just saying, logically, we should look into religion. That was the conclusion for today. So next lecture, we'll go a little bit deeper than that. Allah yahfazkum. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi.